passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. It is Thursday night, September 22nd, the Overlord 2022, brought to you as always by Academy Sports and Outdoors. It's never easier to spot a casual than weeks like these. We are jam-packed high atop a suddenly fall-like downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Look, I got to be real. They are lying to you about week four. I think you know who I mean when I say they. The truth about week four in mere moments. Upset alert meter. We do it every Thursday. We're going to do it again tonight. We've got some games pegging pretty high on the upset alert meter. I need to take this evening and say a few words about one Michael Ray Gundy, or you may know him as the Oklahoma State head coach. It's that time of year. Uh, important anniversary is upon us. Also, going to add several best bets onto the Ramen Noodle Express. And if you have not heard the news already, we're going to get hot this week. I've already seen it. I've already dreamed it. So it's just it's about 48 hours away. Cedar Rapids, Iowa is tuned in. El Dorado, Arkansas tuned in. Fort Mitchell, Alabama, near where I came from, they're tuned in. And Austin, Texas is tuned in. We will be, as of tomorrow, in Knoxville, Tennessee for Florida, Tennessee this Saturday. We will have Academy gift cards in every pocket imaginable, and we will have plenty of fun and excitement in store over there. But make sure Make sure, and I'll tell you this again at the end of the show, make sure you are following on Instagram. You'll get a lot of content this Saturday you wouldn't get otherwise. But also, as I said the other night, and as I'll reiterate in a little while, there are games that we're going to move on this week that I'm not giving out tonight and we're not moving on yet because I know we're going to get some favorable line movement and I'm not taking soft numbers when we don't need to. So at Late Kick Josh, make sure you're following, if for no other reason, than that. And we'll see you guys in Knoxville tomorrow. I'm going to have a special, special guest in tow with me. All right. So look, here's the deal. Week four is being lied about. Some people are telling you week four is sort of a sleepy week in college football. Now, mind you, these are the same people who say they're tired of the same teams hogging all the spotlight. Yet when Bama's playing Vanderbilt and Georgia's playing Kent or whoever they're playing, those are the same people who tell you, oh, this isn't going to be a good week. Well, how about you live up to the reputation you're trying to make for yourselves and look past the top layer of this sport and understand, I got one, two, three, four, five. I got seven games to talk to you about right now that I think make up a dynamite weekend ahead. 
It's just not number one versus number three. Every one of them's not a top 10 matchup. There's a ton, I mean a ton, to be excited about. Let me talk about Minnesota-Michigan State for just a second. Michigan State goes up to Washington last week. Michigan State goes to Washington, horrific performance. Run game, non-existent. Pass defense, non-existent. Now they got their backs against the wall, wounded animal mode at home. They are a three-point dog at home, and that has crossed zero, by the way. So Minnesota, favored by three. P.J. Fleck taking the crew out on the road for the first time this year. Let me tell you what to watch. Mo Ibrahim. You remember him? He's the running back for Minnesota. Got hurt in the first game last year. Well, he's back this year. He is running the ball extremely well because he's an extremely good player. One thing Michigan State can do is they can limit the run. They have not given up a 100-yard rushing performance in their last 16 games defensively. So that's not all that Minnesota brings to the table, obviously. You've got uh, plenty good enough passing game there. Kirk Scirocco, the offensive coordinator, is back. And a lot of people are excited about Tanner Morgan at quarterback and Kirk Scirocco calling plays, and you should be. I happen to think there'll be a few more points scored in this game than the odds makers do, and that's a hint. Uh, we're going to have a move on this game later. We may have a couple of moves on this game by the time Saturday gets here. I'm not giving it all tonight because I think we're going to get a positive move uh, in our favor. But look, Minnesota has played mistake-free football so far this year, and if they can take that, package it up, and go on the road, they stand a very good chance of winning this game. Again, I want to reiterate because I think it surprises some of you. Michigan State's a three-point dog at home, back against the wall. So let's keep an eye on this game. That's the first. That's certainly not the only really, really big spotlight game we have this week. The next one takes place. This is close to home for me. Not geographically, but it is close to home for me emotionally. The next one takes place in Ames, Iowa. Baylor at Iowa State. This is Dave Aranda versus Matt Campbell. Now, I've got it on good authority. They're not going to play a single down, but boy, the coaching matchup is worth the price of admission alone. Iowa State's off to a 3-0 start for the first time since, drumroll please, 2012, according to Stats and Info, a.k.a. Producer Jesse. This game's been close for a while. The last three times these teams have played, and they play every year, last three times these teams have faced off, the final has been a margin of a combined 11 points. So one possession game's all over the place. Iowa State, really good quarterback play this year. We told you, you shouldn't be surprised about that. Just because they lost Brock Purdy didn't mean they didn't have a Hunter Deckers waiting in the wings. But also, Iowa State in this game last year outgained Baylor by nearly 200 yards and still lost 31 to 29, which is what really sent Iowa State season sideways. And it also started to springboard Baylor. And it's a game I still remember vividly because I think we were on Iowa State and it was just box score, not telling what the scoreboard told you in terms of final result. I'm really interested here because Iowa State, unlike last year, they have been forcing turnovers this year. They were plagued by it last year. So pretty good quarterback play, plus in the turnover margin. It's crazy how a season can turn around, how fortunes can turn around. This is a game with a line under three. At last check, uh, Iowa State's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. It is a noon Eastern kick on ESPN2. Paper-pop-worthy game there. How do, you, how do you sit there and look at me with a straight face and say, oh, we don't have any really good games to watch this week. All right. Let's just look ahead to week five. I got Dave Aranda already with a loss on their resume going up to face an undefeated Iowa State team. What does it matter with you people? Next up, we're not even close to done. 
USC at Oregon State. Good friend of the program, Yogi Roth, trying to peer pressure me into making the late trip to Corvallis, Oregon earlier today. I don't quite think Yogi gets how our schedule works, but that's okay because his heart is in the right place. USC opened as a seven-point favorite, and then that line's just come down and down and down, and it's right now at five and a half or six, depending on where you look. Uh, did you know, if you didn't, I'm about to tell you, Oregon State, 8-0 straight up and against the spread at home since last year. So those last eight games they played at home, they've done really well for themselves. They have a construction project going on at Reeser Stadium right now. So it won't be a full capacity. I mean, every seat that's available will be taken. I'm just saying they're not, they're not uh, the Trojans going up there and playing in front of a truly packed house. USC, if you want to know why this line is so low, I tried to explain it to you the other night. I'll reiterate, USC is already plus 10 in turnovers this year. And there you see, they are best in the country at this level in turnover margin. Now, you're, you're misunderstanding me if you think I'm trying to discount their record so far. I'm not. There is skill in doing what they're doing. From an odds-making perspective, that is looked at as a lot more randomized. And over a one-game sample size, it's not something that you carry into that game with you. So you may look and you may think, oh, USC, based on the results they've had so far, easily double-digit win this week. Oddsmakers look at it and say, well, if it's an even turnover battle, then maybe not. So that is going to be a must-see game as well. And after that, they come home, do the USC Trojans, and they play Arizona State. Then they play Washington State. So we're three weeks away right now from the game everyone has circled in the Pac-12. That's that game at Utah. So let's keep an eye on that. Let me refresh my screen over here as well and turn the volume down because an ad's about to play. Okay, now this is one that I've been talking to people about all day. And so I want to make sure your eyes are on it, too, because we didn't, we didn't cover it the other night. Texas at Texas Tech. And this thing's gotten all the way up to a seven-point spread now in favor of the Longhorns. Quinn Ewers is going to travel with the team. Probably not going to start at quarterback, but it sounds for all the world like he's very close to returning. In the meantime, it is still on Hudson Card and this ground game. And when I say ground game, I want to emphasize that. Texas Tech, best in the Big 12 right now in run defense. So this is one that they are going to have to grind their way to if they're going to win it. And it's probably a game where Hudson Card's going to have to make some plays. That's what quarterbacks have to do. That's no breaking news. But it's also the first time that we get to see this young but very rapidly improving Texas offensive line go on the road. We don't know what to quantify. We don't know how to quantify that. And we don't know if it's going to be a factor at all. But I'm very interested because uh, it's, it's something that a lot of people have looked at in the preseason, and they probably looked at this game and said, oh, that'll be tough when, like, no one chalks this up as a loss for Texas in the preseason, or very few people did. But yet we get to game week, single-digit spread. We know they got West Virginia at home next week, then they got the Oklahoma game. So they're two weeks away, for a point of reference, from that Oklahoma game. Lubbock, Texas, I mean, Lubbock, Texas will be on fire this weekend. Texas Tech folks are really excited about this program, and they're really excited about Joey McGuire as the new head coach. What a scalp to put on the wall if they could get Texas at home this week. Kansas State lost to Tulane last week, you know? Probably cost the Every Given Saturday Tour a trip to Norman, Oklahoma. So I'm not all that happy about that part of the equation. That just puts them in the dreaded wounded animal mode. Kansas State at Oklahoma. You look at this and you see nearly a two-touchdown spread and you think, okay, big deal. Well, it is a big deal because Chris Kleiman is a perfect 3-0 against the spread. 
two and one outright in his brief career in Manhattan, Kansas against the Sooners. Last year, they lost this thing by six. The year before that, they were over a three touchdown underdog. They won it outright. The year before that, they were over a three touchdown underdog. They won the thing outright. They, for whatever reason, at Kansas State, have matched up with Oklahoma very well. No picks so far for Dylan Gabriel this year. The Oklahoma quarterback, been spotless in the interception column. Kansas State is third nationally in pass efficiency defense. They have forced seven interceptions. So if you want to know how that upset could be brewing late in the second half, something has to give. If it gives in way of Kansas State, and you know that you've got a really good ground game there, and if Oklahoma's offense isn't exactly humming like it was in Lincoln last week, who knows? I think it absolutely will be a game worth monitoring, though. Now we get to what many people are calling the main event of the week. And uh, we're not talking about this thing being played in Cameron Indoor or Fog Allen Fieldhouse. And some of you in the other room didn't think I knew my basketball venues, but I do. Duke, excuse me, let me, let me, re, let me restart that. Undefeated Duke versus undefeated Kansas. How rare is this? Well, it's the first sellout at this venue since 2019, only the second sellout in the past 13 years up there. It's the first 3-0 start for Duke since the Fred Goldsmith era, and whomst amongst us could forget that, 1994, last time Duke started 3-0. Kansas has not won more than three games since 2009, and they're already sitting here on the precipice of hitting their overwin total and shocking the world. Jalen Daniels is the quarterback at Kansas. Now, if you are a semi-hardcore college football fan, you're probably guilty of what I'm about to say. You probably hadn't watched much Kansas yet. You plan on watching them this weekend, but you haven't watched them yet. But you've probably seen a highlight, or you've seen some stats, and you've heard the name Jalen Daniels. And so you have told some buddies of yours, who you know are casual fans, about how good Jalen Daniels is. You know you have. You've acted like you've watched film on that kid. You've acted like you've watched all the cut-ups, and you've You've just poured over film of the Kansas quarterback. Be real. Most of you haven't. But that's okay. We're amongst friends here. I'm just saying, if you haven't already, if you haven't watched him thread the needle over the middle of the field, if you haven't watched the way they're running that option up there, watch this game this week. Kansas is a seven-point favorite. Okay, Duke, under Mike Elko, not playing half bad either. They, uh, they already embarrassed Northwestern, so let's keep an eye on this game because I want to tell you that's a noon Eastern kickoff. Does Brando have that game? Did Tim Brando draw Kansas Duke? I got to check on that. Um, here's what I need to remind you, and I'm going to probably talk about this a little bit later too. The Every Given Saturday Tour, which is just the game that we choose to go to on Saturdays, it's been fairly simple to pick games so far. We are rapidly approaching a point where it's going to get treacherous for us. Because there are some weeks coming up where there are three or four really headline, national, noteworthy games. And the last thing I thought was that Kansas hosting Iowa State could potentially be one of those next week. But do you understand the two games we just went over? If Iowa State were to beat Baylor and Kansas beats Duke, you are looking at a ranked versus ranked matchup potentially in Lawrence, Kansas. I think that's where that game is. So. On top of the problems I already have in my life when it comes to choosing games to go to, we may also have that. It's a good problem to have. Good problems around here, but a problem nonetheless. Oh, and by the way, one more game to put on your radar. I told you it was a deep week. People didn't believe me. I hope you believe me now. We're 15 minutes into the show. I'm still talking about headline games this week. Who does North Carolina play Saturday? 
I'll tell you who they play. They play a team that you thought they would be an underdog against about three months ago. And now, lo and behold, we get the game week. Notre Dame versus North Carolina. It ain't the Irish that are favored. It is the Tar Heels minus one and a half. North Carolina feels like a two and two team. Did you know they're undefeated? They sit here undefeated still. It's just because they've they've won close games and you've written them off, but North Carolina's still undefeated. They're a one and a half point favorite hosting Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame. Notre Dame's coming in there. Only FBS team. North Carolina, the only FBS team. Top 10 offense, bottom 10 defense. Right on brand. It's exactly what you would expect statistically if you were to look at them. Also, it's not a spot you expected Notre Dame to be in, is it? I will admit this about myself. Now, we had Notre Dame rated lower than most of the preseason punditry out there did. That's the proper word. But even we didn't have them rated probably as low as we needed to have them. We started them 14th. Uh, Did I think, though, that Notre Dame was going to be a point spread underdog at North Carolina? No, I did not. Uh, Josh Downs may be back this week, by the way, for North Carolina. So keep an eye on that because that's a huge weapon that they could add to an already potent offense. The total in this thing has dropped. I'm just kind of fascinated by it. I'm not not betting it, but the total in the game has dropped. Uh, If I had a lean on that, it would be over. I have no good feel for it, but if I had a lean on it, it would be over. Think about the lineup of games I just gave you. I just gave you the games, and I just gave you reasons to watch every single one of them. So if that's not good enough for you, chances are you're a casual. And if you're a casual, chances are you have no clue how to find this show anyway. So, Colin, we got a problem? There there are two Collins in our building. One is allowed to be seen in public. The other is um, not the dude standing behind me right now. I guess we just had technical issues, but we're good. So look, we are headed to Knoxville this week. And we have Academy gift cards in tow. Okay, so if you see me this weekend, don't worry. We'll have like a little miniaturized version of this screen behind me, and it's a plastic card. And if you get it, it's like money. It's worth a lot, especially when you walk into Academy Sports and Outdoors. They are, of course, our exclusive partner here. And you know that there is a very, very tight-knit relationship between that store, that brand, and our audience. But occasionally, I'm just going to give you a little heads up as to what's coming next week. Occasionally, a la Panama City, a la Norfolk, they've opened up a new store. And I've given you an advanced warning that if you prove to me you have gone to that store's grand opening, you are entered to win a chalice of supremacy. We sent 10 chalai of supremacy out last week. And I've already gotten pictures back that they arrived. I also sent Wilt Fong one just because I wanted Wilt Fong to have one. Well, we've got an alert for you. I'll tell you more about it Sunday and especially more about it next week. But just to put a little bug in your ear, our friends up in Lexington, Kentucky, I am doing you a solid. I'm getting you a new Academy Sports and Outdoors, and it is opening next week. And so if you watched your friends in Florida or Virginia and you said, how do we get our chalai of supremacy? Your time is next week. Stay tuned. More details to come. If you drive around town, you can probably see the store already because I'm pretty sure they have it ready. just hasn't opened. A new Academy Sports and Outdoors is launching. It's not just opening. It is launching. It is soaring in Lexington, Kentucky. And therefore, Child Eye of Supremacy will be on the line next week. In the meantime, if you need anything for tailgating this week, go to Academy or go to academy.com. They'll get you hooked up. I promise you. You have my word on that. Where are the upsets going to happen? We just talked about like seven games. But I intentionally left one, two, three, four. I intentionally left five out of that little segment there to open the show 
because they belong in the special portion of tonight's broadcast. They belong in the upset meter portion of the broadcast. Maryland is playing Michigan this Saturday. You have not seen Michigan face anything with so much as a pulse so far this year. Maryland, I think, fits that description. Where do we feel? One to ten scale. How, how nervous should I be about this? I can't make myself really nervous about it. And I'm going to tell you why. Jim Harbaugh, you can knock varying points of his tenure at Michigan, but the Maryland part, he's been rock solid. 6-0 and straight up, 6-0 and against the spread. He has disposed of the Terrapins every time they've faced off against them. Also, the Michigan defense, I have a feeling about, and I know that you've listened to me talk about this, I feel that they're fine. I felt that they were more than adequately replaced their losses last year in the aggregate. But if you wanted to argue against that, you could say, yeah, they haven't really been pressed this year yet. Okay. Will Maryland do it? Are you trying to sell me on Maryland? I'm just having an argument with myself at this point. Are, are they the Terrapins? Are they the team that can press Michigan? Maybe so. Here's the difference in this year's Michigan team and why I'm putting a three and no more on this, even though the line is 17. I am a three on the upset alert meter here because unlike varying points of last year and the year before, even if Maryland's in this game, Michigan will have no problem trading points. And eventually, when the time comes, they'll have no problem pulling away. And so I, don't, I just don't have that much concern about the game. And of course, these are the kind of sound bites that are thrown back in my face when upsets do happen. But that's fine. I'm willing to play that game. Just as long as you're willing to be here, Maryland fan, if you get beat 42-17 this Saturday. So that's a three for me. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'll bump it up one peg on the upset alert meter for the next game because we got to talk about Wisconsin-Ohio State. This one's a four for me. I've heard a lot of people talk about this game this week. I did a couple of radio hits about this game this week, and every time people asked if Wisconsin is capable of carrying out the Notre Dame blueprint. And I keep looking at them in a very confused manner because I, I am convinced a majority of the country has forgotten Ohio State won the game by 11 points, guys. What is the Notre Dame blueprint? Lose by double digits? 
the Notre Dame blueprint, I understand what they're trying to say. The Notre Dame blueprint is limit Ohio State offensively and what? And what? You know what Notre Dame couldn't do? Score. You know what Wisconsin may not be able to do Saturday? Score. And I know what Ohio State's eventually going to do. I mean, even if you limit them every bit as much offensively as Notre Dame did, do you have enough to outscore them? And when I go back and I watch that Washington State game, which is Wisconsin's loss so far this year, did they shoot themselves in the foot a ton? Sure they did. Ton of penalties? Turnovers? Yeah. Well, that was in the friendly confines of Camp Randall. So you go on the road now. What am I supposed to, am I supposed to expect Wisconsin to live up to the theme that I talked about earlier in the week? Remember, I said week four is normally one of the last times of a college football season where a team gives you a performance that they were always capable of, they just hadn't shown yet. Hey, that's why we're talking about the game. That's why it's a four on the one to 10 scale of the upset alert meter, because yeah, that's in the cards. There is a performance that Wisconsin has in them collectively that has them hanging right in this game. And they run the ball effectively and they limit possessions and they defensively force some turnovers. Yeah, all that's there. But man, they still got to score. I just don't have confidence they can score enough. Uh, if, 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 on your best day in this game, you probably need 27 to win, would be my guess. And I do not believe that that's there for them. So this is a four. I respect the opponent. This is a four, but no more. Now we go up significantly on the scale. Clemson versus Wake Forest, noon kickoff on ABC. Uh, this one's a seven. I mean, the line's only seven in the game. So, of course, an upset is very much a possibility here. A lot of times, I don't know how you think about games. A lot of times, I think a majority of people, when they try and predict a game, they visualize in their head how it would go. So I think a lot of folks, knowing how this game played out last year, Clemson had roughly half a mile rushing, and Wake was woeful rushing, and will be again in this game. I think a lot of people just visualize Will Shipley running all over the place, 250 yards, three touchdowns, and Clemson just bleeds the life out of Wake. And certainly, I could visualize that too. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if those exact numbers were hung this Saturday. But in the way of upset, there's a reason this number's only at seven. So let's just visualize on the other side of the fence for a second. If it's Saturday afternoon and the dust has settled and Wake has pulled the upset, how did it happen? Well, it probably happened with a slow start for Clemson again. We've seen it multiple times already this year. And there's another thing we haven't seen yet. Brent Venables is not the defensive coordinator there anymore. And so far, we haven't really known what kind of impact that's had on this team because they haven't faced anyone that could expose them, even if they do have some cracks defensively. Uh, their cracks are not going to be up front, regardless of who's coordinating their defense. But if Wake has pulled the upset, they have probably gotten some offensive output against Clemson's defense you did not expect because we come to find out that there is a little more vulnerability because of who they lost at defensive coordinator. Now, do I expect that? Not necessarily. But there's a world where Wake pulls this upset and we're talking about four o'clock Saturday afternoon and those are the things we're saying. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, Clemson, Clemson at this point would surprise me with a bunch of fast starts offensively. So they could slog around a little bit, but by and large, I like Clemson. I picked them to win and cover the other night. However, I do have to acknowledge that on the upset meter, yeah, this one should be about a seven. 
I'm going to talk about another game here that we've already picked and a game that we'll be at Saturday, Florida at Tennessee. I know how this looks. I've listened all week. You know, we have the benefit of sort of leading the pack because we make our picks on Tuesday, and then I hear what the rest of the country collectively thinks after that. And I know what the rest of the country thinks, and I, I don't hear any Florida love out there. And yes, I don't have amnesia. I know the lessons that this sport has taught us and this sport teaches us every week. And it is usually, as recently as the Florida-Kentucky game, when everyone's over there, you need to start looking over here. I get it, I get it, I get it. So, where do we look? If everyone's on Tennessee, close your ears, Colin. If everyone's on Tennessee, how does Florida pull the upset here? Well, first, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to put this at a five and a half on the upset alert meter. I'm very confident in Tennessee Saturday, very confident. I've had confidence in teams already this year who have let me down, so that confidence in and of itself does not mean anything. If Tennessee is bad on third down offensively, it does two things. The first is obvious. It limits their ability to score, but the other thing is it neuters what could be their biggest edge in this game, and that is tempo and that is wearing Florida down. Well, if you can't extend drives, you're not on the field enough to where that matters. And then especially if I'm able to couple that first thing with Florida's ground game taking over like I think it's capable of doing at some point this year, and not only ground game, but them properly utilizing their running backs, not just on the ground, but if they really weaponize that running back stable and they get Tennessee off the field on third down and their secondary is good enough to do it, Ventrell Miller and that linebacking core, a question mark because he's not playing, but their secondary at Florida is good enough to do it. If those things happen, this is a game in the fourth quarter. And if it's a game in the fourth quarter, then all this talk goes out the window if it didn't already. And I am not so blind as to ignore that out of the past 17 times these teams have played, Florida's taken the uh, win home 16 of those 17 times. So even though I think a good day is in store for Tennessee, five and a half on the upset alert meter. One more way out west in Pullman, Washington. Oregon is favored by six and a half. They're going to Washington State. Hey, how about Bo Nix? Boy, his, his former team, struggle bus city at quarterback. Not Bo Nix. Kenny Dillingham, offensive coordinator, got that offense humming out there in Eugene. Now they go on the road, and you might ask yourself again, if Oregon looks so good outside of that Georgia pasting, which they would have done to almost anyone, outside of that game, if Oregon looks so good, why is this line as low as it is? Well, the road matters in college football, first off. Secondly, Washington State's got a pretty decent quarterback of their own. Thirdly, let me go back to point one. I don't know if you keep track of such things, but it has been since 2010 when we've seen Oregon win a game in Pullman by more than one possession. The only exception is 2020 when they didn't allow a crowd in there. So outside of the COVID year, it has been a big struggle. It has been a grinder of a game anytime Oregon's gone in there. And they've had some really good teams over that stretch. And Washington State's had some really terrible teams over that stretch. It's just a hard place to go. And this Washington State defense is very disruptive. They've forced a ton of sacks. They have the ability to force turnovers. So the upset meter, I've got this one at a seven. Uh, it's because we're already on Washington State plus the points. And so if I'm going to be on them plus six, I mean, yeah. I've got to selfishly hope that that's in the cards. Now, I know over on DuckTerritory.com, that's not what they want to hear, but uh, this is the real world out here, so we got to be real with ourselves. I'm going to put it in the 6-7 to seven range on the upset alert meter. I have found 
that it's a lot safer for us to just put the number a little bit higher on the upset alert meter and then the upset not happen than it is for us to put the number low and the upset does happen because those are the sound bites that never leave you. They're watching us in Waynesville, North Carolina. They're watching us in Wichita, Kansas. And they're watching us in Macon, Georgia. Thank you so much. Today's a special day. Today's a very special day. But you know what was a special year? 2007. So I'm aware how massive our high school and college audience is. It's the biggest chunk of audience. It's the biggest demo we have. And I am also aware that you guys, some of you have your driver's license and are not old enough to remember 2007. In 2007, you've heard stories about how crazy that year was. But for someone who lived through it, when you talk about 2007, you can just start rattling off memories. But for you guys, you've just heard stories about it. It may not resonate with you. And so you've seen the sound bites, you've heard the stories, but man, that 2007 just hits a little different for people who lived through it. And today's a very special anniversary. Today, we mark the 15 year anniversary of one Michael Ray Gundy yelling like a jackhammer operator at the assembled media out there in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And I could provide you the context here, but I don't even think it's necessary. This quote, this clip we're about to show you, it lives in such infamy, or infamously, as some of my buddies would say at this point, that I just want you to enjoy it for what it was. And if you would, gentlemen, remove your caps and place your hand over your heart. And let's salute the greatness that was and is Mike Gundy. If you want to go after an athlete, one of my athletes, you go after one that doesn't do the right things. You don't downgrade him because he does everything right and may not play as well on Saturday. And you let us make that decision. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. Attacking an amateur athlete for doing everything right. And then you want to write articles about guys that don't do things right and downgrade them, the ones that do make plays. Are you kidding me? Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. Write something about me or our coaches. Go write about a kid that does everything right, that's hearts broken. Where are we at as a society? I still ask that question today. Thank you, Michael Ray Gundy. I didn't realize it at the time, mainly because I didn't have my own show. Um, but years later, I have realized, after some further reflection on that, his overall record, all the dude's done is just stayed out there and win. I mean, he is one of precious few coaches that still have their job at the same employer that they were at in 2007. I mean, how many more are there? Saban's one. He had just gotten to Alabama. Mike Gundy's been, Mike Gundy has survived the entire Nick Saban reign at Alabama. How many more can say that? So I've thought about Mike Gundy a little bit more lately because there have been some, there have been some subjects that have entered his crosshairs that have been on our radar for a long time here. Like for instance, as we've gone head first into this whole college football playoff expansion or conference realignment thing, because even if you disagree with me on playoff expansion, pretty much all of you are in line with me on college football realignment. We're not huge fans of it because of what it's costing us. So recently there was this big dust up out in Oklahoma, and they've known it was coming, but it was finally made official, that Bedlam, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State, 
it will not continue. It will cease as a rivalry. Why? Because Oklahoma's coming to the SEC and they can't continue it. And so recently, as recently as this week, there was that headline. And Mike Gundy, I swear to you, I keep watching him out there. And he is not handling these situations any differently than I would. So I have to salute this. Colin, show him the clip. OU's officials were in negotiations with the SEC for months and months before anybody in this league or the conference knew about it. No objections? During those multi-billion dollar conversations, I wonder if Bedlam was ever brought up at that point instead of the money. Bedlam is history. We all know that. If we've known that, because OU chose to follow Texas and the money to the SEC. When Oklahoma State has no part in this, we didn't have anything to do with their negotiations with the SEC. We didn't have any choice on choosing to leave the conference. They did. So everybody needs to get over it and move on and quit trying to turn the tables. It's somewhat comical that they still want to bring us into this equation. It's a shame. You know, Mike Gundy is walking out into the sun with the ice cream cone, and he's looking you in the eye, and he's telling you, this thing's going to melt. That's just the way it is. got to get over it. Mike Gundy, as of late, has been pretty outspoken on a number of issues, but did you notice what he did there? He paused like three different times. Colin and Jesse, you saw this when we were cutting this video. He had a little prepared statement on something that looked a lot like Mike Leach's play sheet, and so he is... He is reading his prepared statement, but he keeps stopping, looking around at the media saying, am I right? Yeah, no objections? Okay, continue. Because then you can't be running to your typewriter or I guess your laptop these days and banging out 900 words on why Mike Gundy's wrong. He gave you a chance every 20 seconds to tell him he was wrong. Beautifully done. If we had a studio audience, I would do that constantly. Anyway, it wasn't that long ago that Mike Gundy also stepped up when the rest of the refrain from college football, from these coaches about playoff expansion, we're going to get a better shot at getting in, Mike Gundy stepped up and said, well, yeah, I mean, we're going to have a better chance to get in, but what does getting in really mean? And also, what does the regular season really mean? Now, I'm not going to enter this argument again. Everyone's got their mind made up. And I know there's a huge chunk of our audience that is pro-expansion, and they don't like when I talk about it because they want to agree with me, and they know they're not going to agree there. So I'm not going to do that whole song and dance again tonight. I do, though for just my own posterity, want you to take a listen to one Michael Ray Gundy on expansion. The geographical locations of conferences and traditions of college football are gone. And more so now than they were two weeks ago, right? We see that. So you adapt and change and deal with it or you get out of the game if you don't think you like it. If you're old school, I'm a little old school, but I can adjust and make changes based on it's not gonna go away. This is a big business now. When conference alignment started a year ago, whenever it started jumping, there was a lot of people that were unhappy. But those people aren't the ones that are making the decisions at the top. And so the ones making the decisions at the top are going to decide the future and the history of college football, not us. Not us. Not us. That was a little bit more about realignment than playoff expansion. But you get my point. There's, uh, Colin, could you go to whatever this camera is over here, 1A, could you go to 1A for a second? So you notice over here, we've got our YouTube award, and we got some thermi, which is the plural of thermos, and we have enough room, like, for another chair. This desk is made for really a three or four person panel, 
we have just reconfigured it and we've reconfigured all of our settings in here for a, a solo host show. But if I were to ever roll another chair in here, it's not Brandon Walker that I'd want to put over here. I think that I would just want Mike Gundy. Uh, he, would, he would never be overly demonstrative. It's not 2007 anymore. You can see he doesn't get worked up. He's mellowed out a little bit. But it would just, it would be like a perfect little game of verbal ping pong. I'd tee him up and he'd slam it home. And then he'd tee it up and I'd slam it home. And I really think we would do good numbers. I don't know how much longer he plans on coaching, maybe forever. But um, man, like my, I would do an hour per week with Mike Gundy. And I just, I never realized it until recently. He's always measured in what he says out there. Uh, he doesn't really care. He, in fact, he goes out of his way to tell you, look, people just get over it. You know, it is what it is. But I, I like the guy. And he's a winner. And he, they recruit so steadily. Their classes have averaged in the 30 to 35 range like every year. And their finish has averaged in the 5 to 15 range like every year. He's so good. He's so, look at their past 12 seasons. If you're listening on podcast, I'm going to start in 2010. These are how many games they've won. 10, 11, 12, 8, 10, 7, 10, 10, 10, 7, 8. COVID year, 8 anyway, 12. There are a lot of people out there recruiting a lot better classes, making a lot more money, I would presume, than Mike Gundy, who aren't doing a fraction of what he's doing. And let me tell you, I had known nothing about this, but blindly, if I had a job opening, I would at least call him close your ears in Stillwater, I would at least call him. Um, the game certainly hasn't passed him by. I'd, I'd just selfishly be interested in what he would do at a more high-profile place. Now, here's the counter to that. Culture is ultra important, and he has it absolutely figured out. Now, the layman would look and say, ooh, imagine how much better he would be if we gave him a couple of four stars and a few five stars per class. Well, it, he may not be better at all. In fact, it may be that that would disrupt what they do out there. There's a lot to be said for getting the right pieces to do what you do. And it may be like Chip Kelly at Oregon once upon a time. He was doing what he was doing with a bunch of three stars out there. Well, in his system, they weren't three stars. That's the point. And so the beauty in what they did and what Mike Gundy's done is he's, he's realized long ago, we're not going to get the kids Texas gets. We're not getting the kids Oklahoma gets. So let's just run a system here and let's operate off a of philosophy that capitalizes on the kids we can get. So that's a little tangent there, but I'm a big Mike Gundy guy. I've just, I've realized that semi-recently. I'm a big Mike Gundy guy. And look, Oklahoma State's very good again this year, and I've made it a point. Oklahoma State is now last year's Arkansas. Got to find a way to go see Oklahoma State at least once this year. Plus, they keep putting us in their hype videos, and that never hurts. Believe me, it never hurts. We have to add some games to the Ramen Noodle Express this week. I've already given you the spoilers. We're going to be hot this week. I feel it. Feel it, I feel it. But before we do that, we've got to talk about something that's a, it's a little somber, but it's necessary. We had a question earlier today that I thought we had time for on the show, and we do. And it was about disappointing teams this year so far. Look at Cody's question here. Season has been wild. What's your most disappointing team so far? Well, Cody, if I gave you one team, it wouldn't be really good for our algorithm because it would be like a two-minute video. So I'm going to give you three teams. Notre Dame is my most disappointing team so far this year. It's the first 0-2 start since 2011. They are coming off most recently. I, I think the last time you saw them was off that loss to Marshall. And they were 20.5-point home favorites there. And that was tied for like the, the third worst loss. It was, it was a bad stat. A lot of bad stats coming out of that game. So 
Right now, they go into this week at North Carolina. They have three passing touchdowns. They have three interceptions. It has been terrible. They beat Cal last week, so they got back on track. That's Marcus Freeman's first win as head coach at Notre Dame. They are 113th in points per game this year. Now, I'm not telling you I expected something drastically different than that. I'm telling you I expected them to be better than the bottom fifth of college football. Yeah, I expected them to be a little bit better than that. So Notre Dame so far has been my most underachieving, disappointing team. Uh, and the other, the other part of that Marshall loss, as you saw and as we've talked about already, was not just that they got beat. Those upsets sometimes happen. It's normally your minus five turnovers. It's normally they score 17 non-offensive points and it's just a crazy day. That wasn't what that game was like. They got physically owned against Marshall. Keep going back to the Tim O'Malley quote. If this game would have more quarters on it, Marshall would have pulled away further and further. Not a good look. Not a good look. So they've still got a lot of season left. That means they still have a lot of quality opponents left too. West Virginia's playing as we speak. And intentionally, I'm not looking at the screen over here because I've got it, I got it playing. But regardless of what happens tonight, West Virginia has been pretty disappointing as well. It's their first 0-2 start, or they had their first 0-2 start since 1979. That's a long time ago, guys. Long time ago. Uh, Pitt and Kansas. Those are the two games that you, you watch them lose to start the season. They finally got a win against, I think it was Towson last week, but man, that Kansas game, that was really a shock to the senses there. The Pitt game... Could have gone either way, and, you know, there's that whole we should have won, whatever. You didn't win. Uh, but the Kansas game, I went back and watched it earlier today. I watched the condensed version of it. And they were, they were just stunned, I think, by the quarterback play that Kansas brought in there. But what upset those folks the most is they watched Lance Leopold come in there. He's been there less time than Neil Brown, and he's overturned a program quicker than Neil Brown has, and he beat them, West Virginia, in their own building. And it, understandably, it did not sit right with him. It didn't sit right with me, and I'm not even invested in the program. Um, but man, so they look around, and they're just now about to enter Big 12 play. They're playing Virginia Tech right now. That's not even a conference game. They're about to enter Big 12 play, and we did a hot seat segment the other night, and I, I threw Neil Brown in there. I don't think he's there yet, but he's at least being talked about. When I talk to folks that kind of live in that world, his name's on the periphery. So at the very least, yeah, it's been disappointing. They could be rectifying it as we speak for all I know, but it's pretty disappointing. The third team's a little off the radar. We haven't talked about them a lot. But man, Boston College, disappointing. They are 17 and a half point dogs this Saturday. To give you an idea, they play Florida State, by the way. To give you an idea, our model loves Boston College Saturday. Loves them. Pegs them as one of the highest percentage cover probabilities of any team in college football Saturday, and I'm not going to bet them. I'm going to tell you why. I don't think that model grasps what's happening with Boston College's offensive line because what's happening with their O-line is basically off the scale of college football normalcy, and so I don't think the model can even account for it. So I think it's looking at that number, and it sees, whoa, 17 and a half, that's way too many points. It's not. It's not. Odds makers and, and people who have bet that number up there, they know what they're doing. I'm staying far away from it. They, Boston College, are averaging 48 yards per rush, or 48 total rushing yards a game. That's 1.7. It's one of the worst numbers in college football. Also, 
Here's how bad the offensive line is there. Not only can they not run the ball, they've allowed 25 tackles for loss this year, 12 sacks already through three games. They've lost three projected offensive linemen. They've lost a tight end. They are playing walk-ons on offensive line. It's so bad. I mean, Phil Dracovic is the starting quarterback there. They can't even get out of the blocks. I mean, you can understand how upset he's been. That's a guy who has NFL potential. That's a guy who was supposed to be using this year to hopefully take Boston College to the next level. But at the very least, he was a guy that was going to put 2022 on his NFL tape and his NFL draft tape. And they're terrible. And he can't get anything done as a result. And so Boston College, I don't know what I expected from him, but it was a lot better than this. So I'll go Notre Dame, West Virginia, and Boston College as my three most disappointing teams. Okay, now, now it's time to wrap the show with some best bets. I've already given you a few of these. We'll just reiterate, and I will re-reiterate at Lake Kick Josh Instagram. It's imperative that you're following there. It is a certainty that I'm going to add more games on Friday Night Lines. I know because we've got multiple games circled that I'm waiting for line movement on. So, in the interest of not full disclosure, you're gonna have to wait until Friday night for those. In the meantime, here's what we have: Washington State. We're already on plus six. Arkansas plus two and a half. The over at 48 and a half in Arkansas A&M. So we're on the side and the total in that game. Also, we're on Stanford plus 14. That number's come down, so I hope you got it before that. We got multiple, well, we got two added games tonight, and then we're going to end up having multiple added games. Yeah, I'm taking Michigan State. If you're giving me a full three, which is available at many shops right now, I'm taking Michigan State at home. Love the desperation angle. Love it. Uh, So we will take them against Minnesota, plus three. Texas Tech we are going to take, even though there's not room on the graphic. Since Texas Tech got up to seven, we will gladly chomp up those points with the Red Raiders. Model says about a 61.6% cover probability. We have to have seven as the number. So Washington State plus six, Arky plus two and a half, uh, Hogs and Aggies over 48 and a half, Stanford plus 14, Michigan State plus three, Texas Tech plus seven. Uh, For the last time, We are going to move on more games. We're going to have a good weekend. It would not surprise me if we ended up on 10 games this week because there's a lot on the board that we like. I love that we're about to hit the road tomorrow and we're headed to Knoxville, Tennessee. We're doing some stuff over there tomorrow with CBS Sports HQ, but Saturday, bright sunshine, much lower temperatures. The every given Saturday tour will be right there on the sideline at Neyland Stadium. Looking very much forward to getting over there. It's Checker Neyland Week. Yes, absolutely it is. So I'm looking forward to that. Always have a good time on the road. For Director Collin, for Producer Jesse, I'm Josh Mann. Thanks, as always, for making this show the success that it is. We will be back here Sunday night with full wall-to-wall week four reaction. I think we've got a crazy week in store. So watch it, and then we'll talk about it. Until then, take care. We'll see you Sunday. God bless. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League knockout stage, 
CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, transfer news, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.